0: And now, the Disney Parks Podcast infotainment segment. welcome we have an incredible show for you we've got not one but two in in my opinion living disney legends because first of all we've got dave bought david a bossert it's an award-winning <laughs> artist filmmaker and author he's a 32-year veteran of the walt disney company he contributed his talents to who framed roger rabbit and many more uh, dave's an independent independent producer creative director writer and is considered an authority on disney art animation history dave's the author of numerous books uh and dozens of articles on animation he's also a friend of the podcast we've had him on before and then joining us tonight is alan coates son of claude coates who is an american artist background artist and animator set designer And known for his work with the Walt Disney Animation Studios and Walt Disney Imagineering, his work with the company helped define the character of animated films and later immersive installations with his designs for Disneyland. Uh, Coates was known as the Gentle Giant and was inducted as a Disney legend in 1991. Uh, I've been looking forward to this for many, many days. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Dave Bossert and Alan Coates
1: it's great to be with you guys uh, again uh yeah. i always enjoy talking with you tony and john uh so thank yeah, you thanks. for having us on the show yeah
2: yes
3: yeah, yeah. so and thank you for in- including me as a disney legend that was so very nice to hear
0: <laughs> hey you've you've lived these stories i mean yeah. you know your dad, your dad was doing all the work and stuff but you've been there as well so i mean yeah. that's yes the family thing i totally understand that so yeah. thank you guys both for taking the time um Let's go ahead. And Dave, if you wouldn't mind recapping, you know, just kind of give everyone a little bit of a a review of how your journey with Disney got started and uh, refresh everybody's memory, please.
1: Well, you know, it kind of intertwines with uh, uh, with meeting Claude Coates, because very early in my career, I I got hired on at the Walt Disney Company uh, in the animation department uh, in early 84 Uh, To work on the Black Cauldron. Hmm. And and when we completed that picture, they moved the entire animation department off the main lot in Burbank over to a building adjacent to Imagineering. Hmm in glendale and i i say moved us they they kicked us off the studio a lot i I mean we know the story let's be be honest here right so so when when i got over to to this new facility you know we started working on uh the great mouse detective Mm -hmm. and we did rescuers down under and the little mermaid and you know a lot of great pictures in that building, uh, uh, next to Imagineering. Uh, but I used to, I used to get into work early and I would go over to the commissary at Imagineering to get a little breakfast. And that's where I first met Claude Coates. Now mm. realize Claude ha- had this magnificent 54 and a half year, uh, career at the Walt Disney Company and he spent the first 20 years in animation and then he spent the last 34 and a half years with Imagineering and uh, and so you know I I met him he was incredibly approachable a super nice guy and and once or twice a week maybe three times if I was lucky I'd run into him in the commissary early in the morning and he always got black coffee and a donut Uh, and, uh, and I would get whatever I got and we'd sit at a table and chat for a little bit. And, you know, it was always maybe 15, 20 minutes, maybe a half hour at best, but it was amazing to be able to just talk with really a living legend at that point and, and ask him questions about what was Walt like and, you know, what, you know, what was his favorite attraction and things he worked on and all of that. And so you know i got to i got to to know him a little bit uh just in in that last 18 months of his career at Ooh. the studio before he retired and then sadly after he retired he passed away like a year or so later after retiring from the company um and so you know that that happened and then you know i went on with my career at disney and Probably, I think, what, four years ago or so, Alan, uh, or five years ago, uh, Alan and I didn't know each other, but we were at a conference in Burbank on animation. And I was going into the conference room, and Alan was coming towards me, and we had name badges on with our names on them. and uh, And Alan looked at my name badge, and he says, "Dave Bossard, I just got your Dolly and Disney book at Barnes and Noble." And I was like, "Wow, my book is at Barnes and Noble! Holy moly, you know?" And uh, and and I just caught his name, you know, uh, tag, and it said Alan Coates, and I'm like. That's got to be Alan, that's got to be Claude's son. And uh, so, you know, the morning session of the conference went off and we had a break. And I went looking for Alan, and he wasn't there. And I went up to uh, what turned out to be a mutual friend of ours. Uh, I asked this gentleman, you know, have you seen Alan Coates? And he says, oh, you know, Alan went home. He wasn't feeling well. And I said, darn, I wanted to talk to him and tell him I knew his father and, and just say what a nice guy he was. And I have such fond memories of talking with him at the Imagineering Commissary. And so anyway, long story short, uh, this friend of ours uh, got Alan and I together via email and then Alan and I traded notes and we agreed to have lunch and we met at the Talleyrand in Burbank, California. Uh, which is considered like a second commissary to the Disney studios. It's been there. It's been there for like 60 years or something. And, uh, and so Alan and I had lunch and I told him some stories about, you know, meeting his dad and talking with him at Imagineering and all of that. And, and by the end of lunch, uh, Alan said to me, would you be interested in doing a book on my father? And I was like, of course I would love to, I'd be honored to do that. It would be, you know, like having known the guy it would be great to be able to put together uh, a tribute really to i think one of the great not only artists that was at the animation department and mm. early at disney but also one of the top original anime uh, uh imagineers mm. uh, i mean he helped walt disney build disneyland you know along with other you know great imagineers sure. but Claude was right in there with some of those most iconic attractions.
2: Yeah, yeah. that's it's a very interesting, great story. Um, so how did then Claude's journey like begin, you know many moons ago? How did he get started with Disney?
3: Well, I can, I can try to address that.: yeah, um, Sure. Uh, of course, he, he studied art at USC and Shenard Art Institute. Okay. And he, uh, his first job in Hollywood was uh, at MGM Art Department, where he was working on a, a major production in, in, that was going on at the time, The Great Ziegfeld, which won Best Picture for 1936. And he could have stayed there and had a very successful career as a film art director, but he just wasn't satisfied with doing that. He thought he'd try this new cartoon medium, so he took a huge cut in salary and took his portfolio to the Hyperion studio, the original Disney studio in East Hollywood. And he knew someone working there, Phil Dyke, who was a very significant watercolor artist. And Walt had brought Phil in to increase the quality of the art of the animation that Disney was producing at the time. Phil said, Claude, I think I think they're going to want you here. You're a good enough artist, and I like your work. Bring your portfolio in. And he was immediately hired. That was in June of 1935. And he began on Mickey Mouse and Pluto shorts. And he soon rose into color styling and working on Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And um, and his career just took off from that. So he has... As what happened with Imagineering, he was the right person at the right place at the right time during the Depression yeah. to get a job with Walt Disney was pretty incredible. And my mother was already working there; she had started in ink and paint in 1931, so she had been at the studio four years before my father started there. So, wow.
2: Um,
3: and then I came along, you know, 20 years later. So we've been a real uh, Disney family, that's for sure.
2: Wow. That is, so it's like, you know, at least two generations. Are your, your family going the same route?
3: Yes. Yeah. Two generations. That's yeah. correct. And yeah. I worked shoulder to shoulder with my father, father. He was little, uh, shoulder was a little higher than mine, but <laughs> so I did have my own career right. uh, in engineering mm-hmm. and at the Disney parks. That's why it's so great to talk to you guys, because I, And I worked at Disneyland. That was my first job with Disney, was at at Disneyland. And I spent a year and a half in Florida during the construction of the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World. uh,
1: uh, And and I'm going to interject here, Alan, because it's significant, because the Jungle Cruise movie is opening this weekend. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) and, and Alan's job at Disneyland was, and please elaborate on that.
3: Yes, that was my dream job, Alligator Al on the Jungle Cruise—the best job at Disneyland. <laughs> and, um, and now that it's the world famous, yeah, Jungle that's right, that's right. My friends are asking me about what's going on there, and I say, "Well, I have a cameo in the movie. I'm one of the apes." I tell them. <laughs> uh, I, I, I try to. I try to stay connected with that, right. but that was a wonderful job. I had about three years of taking. A group, an audience, captive audience through the right. jungle. It's such a cool job and the most comfortable uniform to wear yeah. on a hot summer afternoon. So I'm very much part of the jungle cruise. That's that's for sure.
2: So can you, uh, can you still do the spiel?
3: Uh, I can do the opening lines. Yeah. Uh, Welcome aboard, nature lovers. I'm Alligator Al, and I'm going to be your skipper and guide down the jungle rivers of adventure. But first, Let's all turn and take one last look at the dock. Wave goodbye. You may never see it again. Oh. I don't write that stuff, guys. I, I just, I just give the spiel. okay? Bye. Bye.
2: That's perfect. That's great. I love it. I love it.
0: So how excited are you for the movie to come out? Are you, are you looking forward to it or are you kind of
3: nervous about it? Oh, me? I'm excited. I'm excited. It, it, it's a melange of... Uh, of african queen and raiders of the lost ark and uh and romancing the stone three of my favorite films so uh i hope they do uh well by uh those films and by the the jungle cruise itself yeah and uh, i'm sure i am seeing it and i'm sure looking forward to to taking a look at it
1: Yeah. yeah i'm i'm absolutely looking forward to seeing it in fact uh a week and a half ago i went and saw a uh um Uh, The uh, 70th anniversary of the African Queen with Humphrey Bogart and Catherine Hepburn uh, on a big screen. I went to a theater to see it, and uh, it was a digital presentation of the 2009 restoration of that film, and it looked gorgeous and it really to me it was exciting to see it in a theater but it kind of set the stage for my anticipation of seeing the disney jungle cruise movie which i'm gonna see this weekend
2: yeah me too i got my tickets for saturday yeah big you know big giant dolby theater yeah Yeah. i'm looking
1: forward to it you know
2: Yeah, I am too. I I hope it becomes like the next pirates kind of uh, series. You know? I hope.
1: I hope. I think that's what they're trying to do is is a pirates like franchise with it. And I hope. I hope they do do it. Uh, I I would say that I I've read some mixed reviews, mm. but I'm I I'm not taking any of that to yeah. heart. I'm going. No. I'm going in uh, because it the trailer to me uh just set the tone of just the mm. fun adventurous. You know that that cross between indiana jones the african queen and romancing the stone i mean it's uh it's a great mix and i and and i think i i think it's going to do really well this weekend
2: yeah i don't read reviews i don't watch the trailers i just because i feel like if i start watching trailers i'm watching it in a 30 second increment clip and then everyone's Mm -hmm. and they're not in the order of the film and it just sure yeah so i i got you i I don't watch anything i don't read anything i just want to go in and enjoy it
1: them. I go to the movies every week, so I can't help but see trailers. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. If you go late enough, Dave, with the popcorn, then you're fine. Uh, that, that's true. <laughs> uh, go ahead, John.
0: Well, one of the questions I, I have to ask, one of my uh, favorite rides, I was never able to ride it here in Florida, but I did get the opportunity when I was out in California several years ago It's Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. So can you share any of the, the do you have any stories of the 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 creating of that ride? I think your dad was a part of that, Alan.
3: Yeah, he was. And that's an important part of the book, that moment, when uh Walt came to Claude and said the the scenic company that's supposed to be painting the flats, the backgrounds for Mr. Toad, they're they're too busy with Peter Pan and uh and particularly with Snow White uh dark rides. So Claude You do it. And Claude was just, and when Walt left, just turned around and left, you know, Mm -hmm. Walt was pretty direct. And I know my father was so thrilled because he had told me after Lady and the Tramp, he was really getting tired of painting backgrounds. He wanted to work in dimension because he had a background in architecture and he could build models. And so, boy, it was perfect. Again, perfect timing. Mm -hmm. And he, he and Ken Anderson, just went full blast and got Mr. Toad finished for opening day. It was real tight, but they did it.
1: Yeah, And, and in the book, the, fa- the family had some, some nice photos of uh, Claude working in what was known as the effects building on the studio lot and right. it was just this big sort of industrial uh sheet metal building, you know, a corrugated metal building that uh they were painting those flats in. So mm. so people were going to get a glimpse of, of how that, you know, how those were being uh painted. Right. And uh and again, it is a pivotal story because that's really where, you know, when Walt came into Claude's office and Ken Anderson was there with Claude and said you guys need to do this. That that's really the moment where He becomes an Imagineer. I I mean, there's really no looking back. I mean, for the next year or two, uh, you know, there was there were oddball projects Mm -hmm. uh, that he you know he did some paintings for and things like that. But uh, he didn't work on another feature after that. Uh, And uh, and by 1956, he was fully immersed in, in in developing new attractions for Disneyland
2: yeah and we've heard the story before where you know Walt asked somebody to do something that was not in their wheelhouse mm-hmm. uh you know, so was he like a master at casting people to yeah. things that he knew this guy can do this, he just hasn't done it yet, so I'm gonna go let him do it, and then you know see where it goes from there. I mean, yeah, what, sure. was the, the, what
1: was the the was the master uh, casting director? Yeah, uh, he 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 had confidence. That whatever he saw in the individuals, mm. it, he would tell them to go do something. He had confidence they'd go figure it out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: It's a very interesting theme that it runs through everybody we've ever spoken to. Is well, Rory, uh, you know, Walt asked me to do something. I had no idea how to do it. I had to go figure it out. So, yeah, it's and, and that was
1: kind of that was common, I, I think, uh,
2: yeah. at the company, even when I started working
1: there, mm. because, you you, you know, I, I remember talking to an artist who had been there for like 45 years and I said, hey, you know, what do you attribute your success like for being here this long? And, and he said, I always just said yes. If they came into my office and asked me to do something, I said, sure. And then he goes, you know, when they left my office, I'd say, OK, now I got to go figure out how to do that, you right. know? Yeah, and, and and it is kind of a great uh, a great philosophy to have. I think mm. when you're working someplace is is to not say no is to right. is to step out of your comfort zone and go figure it
2: out. Yeah, yeah. The other story we always hear is that he put people that wouldn't always agree or have the same thought on something together just to get a little conflict. So that it would get better because they, you know, all, both want to try and fight to, you know, get their ideas incorporated. So, yes. uh, that's yeah, yeah, story that we hear constant theme.
3: Well, I think I think that's true, and of course, you're probably talking about Mark Davis and Claude Coates as a classic example of yeah. that. But mm-hmm. they worked so well together on Pirates of the Caribbean. Look, look what came out of that partnership—an incredible, prototypical, immersive attraction. Yeah, uh, probably the most famous of all, and. They were very different types of people and different sensibilities. And, but uh, if you put two yes men together in a room or yes women, you're going to just get something kind of boring. But if you have a little conflict, a little conflict, the stories about Claude and Mark going at it with fisticuffs, absolutely untrue. Mm -hmm. They were friends way back to Snow White and Seven Dwarfs. I mean, they'd worked together for years. And they knew how to (laughs) work with each other and Mm -hmm. look at the results. So that, that partnership worked out wonderfully well.
1: Yeah, and, and we and we put that we put that to rest uh, in, in the book. Good. Uh because because they they were friends. They socialized. Uh, um, uh, Claude and Evelyn, uh, uh, you know, would go over to Mark and Alice's house and mm-hmm. vice versa. Uh, so they socialized after after hours. Thanks. uh and uh and clearly traveled together when they were doing work on the the New York World's Fair Thanks. on those well, attractions yeah. because we have a photo uh, uh uh that was graciously uh given to us by Alice Davis uh, right. it's from the Alice uh, from the Alice Davis collection uh, a photo of uh Claude in the TWA terminal yeah. at what was then called Idlewild Airport which is now JFK. Mm. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, so they they were they were friends and so you know all of these stories that have popped up in some of these books and things that have been done over the years that claim that they were, you know, arch enemies or you know got into arguments or didn't get along is baloney.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think people like to put things out there and, you know, as clickbait and Just to, you know, get people, you know, fired up over nothing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and also it's the telephone game. You know, somebody sees they had some disagreement on something. And by the time it gets to the 50th person, they were out, you know, knocking each other's heads off in the parking lot. You know, (laughs) right.
2: Right. So, Alan, Alan I'll I'll ask you, what was uh, some of your dad's favorite, uh, projects either movies or imagineering so animation or image. did he have a oh gosh i really loved working on this movie or i really really loved working on this uh, attraction
3: did, did he uh, well, have his a favorite character? yeah go ahead. He, yes he did because once well, when when videotapes started coming out with films in the late 70s mm. uh, dad said gee i wouldn't want to clog up my house with a bunch of videos of old movies he said well <laughs> maybe snow white so I think that to almost all of the disney people that worked on that film it was such a groundbreaking phenomenon yeah. that despite his uh, his fame and his background work in pinocchio which is dave's favorite of his work and it's yeah. absolutely spectacular i think snow white was his probably his favorite film and then of theme park attractions, of course, it would have to be the pirates. And uh, Dave, you can tell the story of that photo we, or that picture we have in the book of, uh, from, uh, was it Exotencio? Oh yeah, uh,
1: you know it, it. It is kind of interesting when when you start going through a lot of these artifacts and photos and memories that the family has kept. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but there's a wonderful drawing uh, that Exotencio, Imagineer Exotencio, had done of. Uh, uh, for, it was done for Claude's 50th anniversary with the company, so four and a half yeah. years before he retired. But his 50th anniversary, Exatencio did a wonderful uh, drawing uh, illustration uh, color of Mickey Mouse with a pirate hat on. Uh, and, uh, a parrot on his shoulder, uh, and, and essentially, uh, said, uh, you know, congratulations for 50 years, get bet. You can't guess, uh, uh, what his favorite ride or fra- favorite attraction was. <laughs> right. Uh, so we, that's prominently, uh, featured in the pirates chapter, Uh, And, uh, you know, there's wonderful mementos uh, uh, that the family held on to that are throughout the book uh, by people like Exitensio or Sam McKim. uh, And it's just uh, it's great to be able to share those uh, in in this in this real celebration uh, of Claude's first 15 years uh as an imagineer and building disneyland i think tom tom morris the imagineer uh said that was the golden age of disneyland Mm -hmm. you know when you think about all the the key uh, the the iconic attractions that were built during that period that still are resonating throughout the entire park system uh it's pretty amazing
2: yeah and it was probably you know a lot of Techn- technology groundbreaking things that were happening you know that they were going on finding these new ways of you know making you know animatronics and electronics and you know illusions in the haunted mansion all that kind of stuff it was yeah they were really thinking outside the box to make those and, things
1: and, yeah and and they were they were essentially inventing the yeah. immersive theme park attraction right. business You know because what they were doing you know changed theme parks forever uh you know because when when walt was first starting to uh plan disneyland you know he was meeting with people from the amusement industry and Mm. other amusement parks and things they were telling him you know you got to have a um uh what do they call it the uh the the not the fairway um uh, the, mid, the, the, midway,
3: the midway, the midway, yeah.
1: yeah. Midway. <laughs> they were telling Walt, "You got to have a midway with all the games that are rigged, so you can rake in the money and rip everybody <laughs> yeah. off." And and you know, Walt was like, "No, that's not what I want." That's to. the complete <laughs> opposite of what I wanted to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so his midway is really Main Street USA.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because you know it, it's your gateway into this other world. Mm-hmm. you know these these different areas of the park but but walking down Main Street to me is, is that you know you you start to immerse yourself into uh, into this other world yeah. uh, and uh, and so he replaced the Midway with that right uh, which, which is fantastic
2: yeah i get in disneyland they did have a midway at one point and maybe that was walt's like all right yeah i'll put a little midway here <laughs> you know. well that 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 may have been by the circus yeah you know, because the, the the short-lived
1: circus that mm-hmm. was a, uh, actually backed by fantasy lands. right i right. think i think that only lasted like a year or so is that right alan
3: yes yeah it was very brief right yeah
1: yeah, yeah. Can you, uh, Alan? Could you share
0: a story of like we've talked about Disney World? And we talked a little bit. Uh, we talked a little bit about Disney World. We talked some about Disneyland. But, but your dad had his uh, fingerprints on other parks, Disney parks around the world. Uh, can you share some stories about some of the other parks that he had a hand in?
3: Well, as I mentioned, of course, uh, Florida. Uh, he was one of the original guys. Traping, traipsing around out in the out in the, the swampland there with Walt and, and everyone else laying out that park. And so from the very beginning, he was cr- very crucial in the development of, of the Magic Kingdom right. in, uh, there. And then, of course, Epcot as well. And that's when I came on. To, well, I actually came into Florida, too, and helped with the construction of that with Yale Gracie and the lighting design of the original park there, and then I worked with my father at Epcot. So you forgot Epcot because and World Showcase and all of that was very uh much impacted by my father's uh input as well. Right. And then uh as you mentioned or Dave mentioned, Tokyo Disneyland, uh mm-hmm. we both worked on that together for a while too. And dad spent a very much amount of time in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and has still, right. and still had many wonderful Japanese friends, and they exchanged Christmas cards until he was gone. So um, right. uh, am I giving you an overview? And then Paris, yeah. I guess the last thing he worked on, it's interesting because he was kind of working for his protégé. He mentored Tony Baxter, and then at the end of yeah. his career, he was sort of, working for Tony, who was in charge of the of building, of, of designing Disneyland Paris. Right. And so dad was sort of part of that team that, uh, you know, it was a, everyone worked together. But Tony was kind of in charge. And it's an interesting change from uh, from being a, a, a mentor to being a, um, a team member with your student. Yeah.
2: Right.
1: You know, but, but that's an interesting point that Alan makes, because throughout the book, there there is a bit of a theme of Claude always wanting to be part of the team. It was, you know, every team has a team captain, you know, and certainly Claude was a team captain on many, many of these wonderful attractions, but he always considered himself part of the team uh and and i think that that's a really important thing to put forward here because towards the end of the book we do talk about the fact that in the later part of his career he did spend a lot of time mentoring and talking to the next generation of imagineers that were coming in
2: yeah interesting did uh you know all the parks he worked in did he ever say oh wow tokyo disney this is you know better than you know what we did in disneyland or disney world or paris did he have a favorite park
3: no he, no, he liked everything <laughs> yeah yeah
2: yeah, yeah I but i'll tell just... you i'll tell i'll tell you that the tokyo parks are spectacular yeah yeah uh, we've not I been mean, we've the... only heard like dynamite things about it. like it's like, well I, I
1: i will tell you that the disney seas park the just yes. park to tokyo disneyland yeah is yeah. probably to me the crown jewel in the park system it is that spectacular i mean anytime i went around that park i I, my mouth hung open i was just in awe of how they how much detail and how much attention to detail they put into that uh uh uh, that that particular park it's it's absolutely amazing and you know when i say that you Mm -hmm. have to realize all of the parks are spectacular Sure. You know, they really are in their own way. They're all spectacular. Yeah. So it takes a little extra boost to say, my gosh, they really just pushed
2: it on this one. You know? Yeah. So uh, but that, that they're, they're all spectacular. Yeah. We like to say that the Oriental Land Company is not afraid to throw money at things right they just don't care whatever yeah and well and you know something and that's the thing they're
1: making the investment up front as as opposed to cheaping out which happened with california adventure and with hong kong Mm -hmm. and 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 then as soon as they opened they realized oh my gosh we got to put more into it you know and and then they start adding to it so yeah Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. so dave tell us uh you know tell us about the book you know uh you know the titles You know, Claude Coates, Walt Disney Imagineer, The Making of Disneyland, from Toad Hall to Haunted Mansion. So what is this span? What's, you know, what are we going to get if we, uh, you know, dive into this book?
1: Well, I'll tell you, uh, this book is uh, just chock full of photos and art. I mean, Mm. it's absolutely packed. Um, The book is 264 pages. Um, uh, at the back of the book, there's actually a gallery of Claude's personal artwork and much of this artwork people have never seen before. And it, and it tracks his painting style from the 1930s through the 1980s. Uh, and so you're going to be able to actually flip through that gallery and see, uh the uh uh his painting style and how it changed from watercolors to acrylics and and all of that not only that but there's a chapter on on each one of the main attractions that mm. he had his hand in including uh the um uh the new york world's fair the 1964 65 new york world's fair uh there's a whole chapter on that there's a chapter on adventure through inner space uh pirates uh the haunted mansion uh dark rides the sub voyage uh i mean there's it's just really packed with a lot of great stories there's a lot of stories of Claude's interaction with Walt Disney. Mm. Uh, there's some surprising moments, uh, you know, quotes that we're all familiar with, like it's fun to do the impossible. Right. There's a story in the book about how that quote came about. And oh, he wow. said that quote to Claude wow. uh, and, and in association with uh, a, an attraction, the the uh, Rainbow Caverns hmm. uh, that uh, Claude was working on. Right. And so there, there's a great setup to it. And, and and then, you know, Walt making that that comment. There's also there's also an interesting chapter in the book. And this is something that surprised some of the Imagineers that we had uh, that knew Claude and who we had vet the uh, the book mm-hmm. uh, you know because we, we sent the manuscript out to uh, to a bunch of folks like Tony Baxter and Peggy Ferris and you know Tom uh, Morris and Floyd Norman and mm-hmm. you know we had a whole bunch of, uh, of folks uh, read it and give us comments back and things like that. Yeah. but they were they were all surprised by the fact that Claude was an official U.S Air Force artist. Wow. Uh, and, uh, and there's a whole chapter in there. Uh, he, he went to Japan with, uh, Al Dempster, uh, another great background painter. Uh, and, uh, they toured the U S air force installations in Japan and did a series of paintings,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which, which Claude donated three of his paintings to the U S air force art collection. And it's wow. still in the collection, uh, today. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, there, there's some surprising moments in there, but, but they're all relevant. Uh, there's, there's a chapter, a great chapter on a trip that Claude did with uh, John Hench and hmm. Ken O'Connor and Walt Disney and Roy O. Disney and several other Uh, Artists and executives from the studio uh, that they did to um, uh, Huntsville, Alabama, Rocket City, uh, and to the NASA facility in Florida at Cape Canaveral. And there's some great photos uh, included in there. Uh, Again, uh, you know, these are all... Uh, experiences that artists at the studio would have, and would ultimately apply to future projects that they were going to be working on. They would draw off of those things.
2: Wow, that's. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like it's a, There's a lot of good stories and information in there, and and I, I, you know, we say this all the time, but you know, somebody's got to document all this history. Yeah, yeah, you know, because. Once all these people are gone that are, you know, have these stories and and these artifacts, it, it's just going to be lost. So, yeah, and I, I think we, you know, we,
1: we did a very, very thorough job on this uh, and, and and interviewed a lot of folks. And there there's just an, a, a tremendous amount of information uh, in, in the book that I think it, it's going to surprise people. It's going it, to it, it's there's going to be a lot of aha moments when people read the tack and also see some of the images that are that are throughout mm-hmm. the book. Uh, but I, I have to tell you I think there are images virtually on every single page. <laughs> with the exception of the first page of each chapter, right. but that's only because there's a full-page picture opposite that page. Right. You know what I mean? So so there, there's so many visuals in this book. So if you that, can't to, read,
2: to, you could just follow the pictures.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I want to emphasize that because I did have somebody, you know, send me an email early right. on. He wanted to make sure before he pre-ordered the book, he wanted to make sure there were a lot of pictures in there. <laughs> I kind of raised my eyebrow and I said well yeah of course right. there's going to be a lot of pictures you know right. I mean, right. I, I, right you 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 know so i just want people to realize that it's yeah. it's not uh it's not just uh, uh text but yeah. it's text with a lot of images supporting the stories mm-hmm. that are in the text right. and and a lot of very surprising moments and i will tell you that um, if people want to pre-order a uh, signed copy of the book, because neither Alan uh, Alan or I are going to be doing any uh, in-person book signings for the foreseeable future because of the pandemic, Uh, but if people want to have a signed copy by myself and Alan, um, they can go to theoldmillpress.com the old mill and they can, they can pre-order it. The book isn't going to ship until mid to end of September and it doesn't release on, you know, like if, if people want to buy it at their favorite online retailer, whether it's Barnes and Noble or books mm-hmm. a million or Amazon or their local independent store, right. the book doesn't officially release until November 16th, oh, wow. but the, but the author signed copies they can get probably a month or so before that.
2: Oh, well that sounds good That sounds good
1: and and that's and you know again part of this is all driven because of the changes we've all had to make because of this uh crazy yeah. pandemic we've been living in yeah yeah,
0: we hear, yeah. You. we hear you alan one one quick question i wanted to ask was what was your dad's relationship like with walt
3: dad's relationship with walt well it was pretty close um several reasons. Walt, Walt had a temper. He could chew people out, boy, you know, but my mother once said he never got that angry with my father. He was always, uh, respectful of my father because he knew he was kind of sensitive and such a, a, wonderful artist. And he, he always treated him with a, a lot of respect. Mm. And I think it went both ways. And, uh, uh, but Walt would kid him about his height, six feet six inches, and and once he got near a stagecoach that uh, was in Frontierland and Walt said, "Claude, get away! You're going to spoil the scale." And <laughs> but, and, and
1: that's and that's because the stagecoach was built. Uh, what was it? It was built three fifths of the actual size <laughs> uh, 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 of a real stagecoach.
3: <laughs> that's right. Funny. So, that's funny. That's funny. Wal well, Walt well, would kid Dad like that, but yeah. uh, once they went down to the park from Burbank to Anaheim during construction, and Dick mm-hmm. Irvine's, uh, who was head of show design, and
2: mm-hmm. Dick
3: had a two-door car, and and Dad started to climb in the back seat, and Walt said, "No, no, Claude, you you sit up in the front. You've got the long legs. Well, let me climb in the back." Mm-hmm. You know, so Walt, you know, was thoughtful to everybody. You know, yeah. Walt. You know Walt was such a really you know i I knew him as a kid, Uncle Walt, and I knew him when I was working there as a matter of fact, I guess I saw him as an adult too,
2: yeah, and
3: so uh you know he was just a really nice guy, very positive, mm-hmm. he didn't want to hear no, he wanted to hear yes, I can do it, and so Dad never said no, so um uh, mm-hmm. you know, they got along very well. what can i say they they were uh, very close, I think.
1: Yeah, and, and there's a lot of stories in the book that support that, uh, mm-hmm. that kind of relationship that they had. Uh, there's some interesting uh, back and forth uh, stories uh, within the chapter on um, the Grand Canyon diorama. Oh, uh, uh, where you know uh, uh, Claude had done a lot of research, had gone to the Grand Canyon, had talked with park rangers and whatnot, and, and there's there's a whole little bit about wild turkeys and and Walt not really believing that there were wild turkeys at, at the Grand Canyon, uh, and so I think people get a real chuckle out of that one uh, in in yeah. in terms of what actually happens when when Walt uh, believe you know finally said, you know, believes them yeah. uh, and then turns. Turns around and says authoritatively to some guests, you know, did you know there's wild turkeys in the Grand Canyon? <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, it, it was really a lot of fun putting this book together. And more importantly for me, it really was um, uh, a, a tribute to Alan's father, to Claude. Uh, and, and, you know, the fact that I was lucky enough to actually know him just for a little blip of time when I was Mm. first starting my career and he was ending his career and... You know, it, it was just it was and, and this was a long road to put this book together. It took us a couple of years to do it, but it was completely worth it, you know, from the standpoint that we feel like we we've done an incredibly accurate job uh, in in the research, in the interviews, in, you know, the supporting material that went into this book. And I and I think people are going to really uh, enjoy it and cherish this book.
2: Yeah, great. I can't wait um, to see.
0: Um, it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting a copy myself. Yeah. And you know, honestly, you know, when you look at the when you look at the legacy of of Quad Coats and you know, especially when you look at the classic animation, I mean independent of the parks and I love the parks as much as the next Disney fan, but when you look at the animation, you realize that you know, the the believability of the characters is is really be introduced with the backgrounds and the way they interact with their world and that's the one thing that i can honestly say i'm so appreciative to your dad for specifically because i loved getting lost inside of the worlds he helped create yeah mm-hmm. so it's just, it's it's so humbling to to be able to talk to you and to share that that's the one thing i wanted to get out tonight was just <laughs> well, thank
2: you know you that. John.
3: That's-
2: that's very nice, Man. John. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so we'll start with you, Dave. Uh, you know, where can everybody find you? Where they can find the book? I know you have a podcast with somebody we might know. So yes. Are, <laughs> where, where well, let, 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 so, so um, uh, I, I will say I have
1: uh, my author website is uh, davidbosser.com. dot com davidbossert.com. One word, David Bossert. Uh, It's uh, D-A-V-I-D-B-O-S-S-E-R-T.com. And uh, there's a whole bunch of material there. If somebody gets a book uh, from their favorite uh, bookstore or online retailer, uh, they can send away for a... uh, uh, and uh a, what's known as a book plate uh that i'll sign for them and and uh send back to them uh so there and there's a whole bunch of articles on animation that are mm-hmm. uh, that that's on the website there there's de- you know descriptions of my books and then if you want to purchase a copy of uh uh, claude coates uh walt disney's imagineer the making of disneyland you can do so through the mm-hmm. that's the old and uh also at your favorite online retailer or local bookstore your local bookstore you know if you have an independent bookstore you love i would encourage you to go there if they don't have it in stock they can certainly order it because our books get distributed by a major book Distributor, okay. uh, so uh, it's easy enough for the independent bookstores to get a copy of it, right. um, and um, uh, and and thank you for mentioning the podcast. So um, uh, I'm doing a podcast with Al John Go. You know Al John. Yep, uh, he's terrific. It, it, it was funny how that came about, uh, but we're fast approaching our one year anniversary. Oh wow! And and, and we it's a weekly show, and uh, every week we have uh a guest usually somebody i've worked with in the industry i mean we've had you know rob minkoff who co-directed the lion king we've had uh joe hale the producer of black cauldron we've had bruce broughton the composer we've we've had so many different people mike gabriel who who was one of the directors on pocahontas so uh george Scribner, i could just keep going on and on but i'm I'm uh, listening
2: to i just started listening to the one with jerry reese
1: Yeah. And uh, Jerry Reese, that was that was a great show. I was having computer problems during that show. But Al John saved the day. Uh, But, you know, um, uh, that's called The Skull Rock Podcast. And uh-huh. it's available wherever people get their podcasts, and we mm-hmm. we give shout shout outs to other podcasters uh, mm-hmm. periodically. Right. And it's part of the Sorcerer Network, mm-hmm. uh, which you guys are familiar with, I'm sure. sure. Yep. Um, but uh, they can get it on iHeartRadio, Radio, um, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, HR, Spotify, yeah, all all of that. Yeah, yeah. Audible, Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, if you if you have an Amazon device, all you have to yeah. say is, yeah. you know, play. It. Her her name yeah. play the latest episode. I don't want to say it because yeah. my device oh. will go off. And <laughs> <They> might too. <laughs> oh, so yeah, so you know there there there's ways to reach out, and of course you know we're we're on uh, you know I'm on Facebook, uh, Instagram, mm-hmm. yes. uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, all of yeah. those platforms, uh, and always welcome new friends to connect with, and uh, and you know I I, I get questions every week through social media from Mm. people just asking simple questions and stuff and i i respond to most people um and and, you know uh, honestly it it may take a day but uh for the most part i do try to respond uh in a timely fashion uh and and just you know people interested in in some of the projects i worked on over the years and whatnot but uh but that and then there's also i should mention there's the claude coates website yes Uh, alan Alan, you want to give yes. a plug to that? Yeah.
3: Yes, uh, you can uh, just go to cloudcoats.com and see my father's samples of my father's art, uh, his bio, his filmography, his imaginography, mm-hmm. and uh, other information and features about his career. Is, uh, uh, you can find that at Yep, yeah. And you can contact me at info at, if anyone has any questions from the son, the legend, Thank you, John. Again, <laughs> Alligator <laughs> uh, Al. <laughs> yeah, alligator Al is better. Oh, that's fine with me. Um, you can reach me through that website too. Yeah. It's
2: the I, I, Alligator Owl. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you need a Facebook called The Alligator Owl so people can uh, do, swap well, skipper I'll jokes I'll with you, maybe. I'll think about that. I'll yeah. think about that, Tony.
3: Yeah. They <laughs>
2: can swap skipper jokes with you.
3: Yes. Skipper <laughs> <Yeah>. jokes. <laughs> wow. lots of those. Oh, wow. It's nice.
0: been uh, an incredible honor for both of you guys. Yeah. Uh, Alan, thank you for all the work you've done for uh, the yeah. parks that we enjoy and love uh no. and for your, for your dad and all that
3: yeah i, I sure no. enjoyed it's
0: my pleasure oh, sure uh and dave as always it's it's such a pleasure and one of these days we're going to get you on because all i want to do is talk about the great mouse detective because that's one of my favorite classic <laughs> <detectives>. oh yeah <laughs> I, I,
1: I, absolutely it, it was originally titled basil of baker street
3: yeah.
1: Uh, I like that and, title and, better. And, and, <laughs> yeah, and, and and I I actually have a coffee mug around here someplace that says Basil of Baker Street on it. Uh, I like but that. yeah, no, I, <laughs> I I I'd love to love to chat about um uh the Great Mouse Detective and may, maybe we can even get a, a couple other artists that worked on the show, yeah. you know. Yeah. And
2: I'd That'd love to fun. hear the story of how you accidentally got from the Burbank to the Imagineering cuz i know that's a great story somebody's got to tell why you were kicked the, out of the building <laughs> oh well you know I, yeah but i mean i've seen it, it in movies I, but i want to hear it from yeah, somebody's perspective i, I know i,
1: I and I, I i say it with a you know sort of tongue yeah. in cheek that yeah, we got sure. kicked off the lot yeah but but there there was a big management upheaval and, yes. and mm-hmm. we we could spend an hour talking about that time period and we want to hear about uh, it. <laughs> yeah uh, you know any any time just
2: uh, let me know and i'll sure. i'll be there to chat with you yeah yeah all mm-hmm. right all right. Well, thank you both. We appreciate it. Um, no, you know, i want to say uh, thank you very much for your time, both of you, Dave and Alan. Uh, we appreciate you coming on and talking about all this stuff. And like I said, you know, somebody's got to record and archive all this history because, uh, you know, it's Disney fans, you know, want to hear it. You know, we want to hear yeah. stories. Yeah. So. Huh. Uh, we so to- total
1: pleasure uh, Tony and John uh, yeah. and we really appreciate you having us on yeah. uh, on your yeah. podcast it's, yeah, it's yeah. always a pleasure talking with you
0: the Disney Parks podcast is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company all Disney Parks attractions lands shows event names etc are registered trademarks of the Walt Disney Company
2: like a blue,
3: out
2: of the blue Eight steps in and sees you through.